the framing of problems is the first step of selling a solution, right? Like you have to have a really clear framing of problems. And then once you have that, then people are really excited and ready for a solution because you got them all primed up. You're like, oh yeah, that is a problem. I want to do something really differently. What are we going to do, Kieran? If you're a startup and you have big growth dreams, you need the right CRM platform. That's HubSpot. I want to tell you all about HubSpot for startups. It's our program where you can get up to 90% off your HubSpot subscription. You need to increase leads. You need to boost revenue. You need to improve your customer's experience. HubSpot for startups helps with all of that. Plus, you'll get 24-7 customer support and integrations from more than 1,500 of today's most popular apps. I almost forgot. There's a complete collection of amazing resources to help you learn and get better at your craft. HubSpot is trusted by some of the best startups in the world and is used by over 200,000 customers around the globe. To see if you're eligible to join the HubSpot for Startups program and take your growth to the next level, visit HubSpot.com startups. Welcome to another episode of Marketing Against the Grain, your podcast that goes behind the scenes of businesses and individuals who have grown and succeeded doing counterintuitive things. I am your co-host, Kip Bodner. I am joined as always by my co-host, Kieran Flanagan. And we have a fun topic today, everyone. We're talking about selling, selling big ideas, that is. It's getting to be strategy and planning time in every business. I don't care if you're a couple people or if you're a couple hundred people or a couple thousand people, you're trying to figure out what are the things that I need to do new and differently. And Kieran and I want to walk you through some practical advice and some funny stories around how you can sell big ideas. And Kieran, we bounce around stuff for the show. It kind of comes from one or both of us. This is a topic that came from you because you got a bunch of questions on LinkedIn actually about this topic. Like, what are people struggling with? And like, set this up for us. Yeah, I think the setup here is there's a lot of information out there on just selling products. Like if you're a sales team, how do I sell those products? On pitching your company, if you're raising capital, there's a lot of like, how do I create a great pitch deck? There's not a lot on, if I'm an operator within a company and I want to pitch a big idea to my founding team or my executive team, like, how do I do that? And so one of the things on LinkedIn and one of the things I just, I think people underestimate about being part of like a growth journey like HubSpot is really like the best part of it is you kind of do these hard things and then you laugh about them over, you know, <laughs> countless number of dinners and turn yes, them into folklore within the company. And so one of the stories that I told is, you know, you know this really well. I was is, present for this story, but everybody else wasn't. So it was here for this. We're taking the, the you behind the march. scenes to one of Kieran's most miserable <laughs> times of his life. You know, I did this presentation so our listeners and I'll bring you through what it was, but I did this presentation. It went really badly and I knew it went really badly. But then when we did like the founding team main offsite and I didn't know people were calling it the death march behind my back <laughs> until, that, until it came up at that main offsite. So there's this famous presentation I give, right? We were doing the PLG business. It was six months in. The PLG business was product-led growth business was definitely the most fun part, but most hardest part of my- Well, we'll set up the business context here, Kieran. Like yeah. what had happened in the business that we were six months into? It's not just product-led growth, but like we launched a whole new product. Like give everybody the real, real. Right. So HubSpot, we wanted to augment the go-to-market and layer on product-led growth. And we had just launched a free CRM 
uh, we were launching free sales tools and actually uh, we were planning to start launching free marketing tools. And so we had been at this for six months and what we were trying to really develop was the core go-to-market. How do we acquire users? How do we activate teams? How do we keep teams active each and every week? And then how do we get people to PQL, which is product qualified leads, so we can rotate those people to the sales team. So like really trying to like, launch the products, build the go-to-market around this mm -hmm. product. And it was a new go-to-market for HubSpot. And the other thing that was like really tricky was, was this was back when remote work really wasn't a thing. And I was the only person on that team who was remote <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and everyone this else was true. like in the Boston office. They actually, when people went into the office, everyone was in the office. So it was a weird time. I can't imagine being in the office every day anymore. Yeah, every day. Complete like, aside, I'm just like, how did we live like that? Yeah. And you, when you're the only person on oh, the Zoom call, the like, presenting to people. So I was back and forth, I think every five, six weeks. And so I'm like, I used to talk to you a bunch. I'm like, oh, like this is kind of going okay. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, we're struggling. I think I like was missing the user sign up intermittently. Like yeah. the team activation stuff was really hard. The PQL thing was going all right. One of the things we really underestimated was not just building the core go-to-market. It was how to make the, all of these teams actually start to work together. Yes. Who had never needed to work together before. Like marketing, product, customers. Like there were so many more teams in the go-to-market. And so we do this like deep dive six months in at a kind of leadership meeting that Kip is part of and all of the executive team and the founders are part of. And I'm like prepping for this meeting. And, you know, I, I make that mistake where I see all the problems and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go in here and just like <laughs> tell everyone what's up, right? Like tell yeah. everyone what the real, real is. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm like Oprah Winfrey. I'm just like, you know, everyone is getting a problem. You got a problem. You got a problem. You've got a problem. You've got a problem. You've got a problem. You've got a problem. Like fix these problems. And I realized actually like 15, 20 minutes into the meeting, I'm like, oh, I think I got that. I think I got this one wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, this problem, this problem, this is the problem, this is the problem. I get to the end of the 45 minutes and uh, this is the thing you and I laugh about all the time. And everyone's like, everyone was pumped up about the product-led growth, go-to-market. Like people were super excited. HubSpot is a really incredible company. Everyone wants everyone to succeed. And everyone started that meeting with, oh, I can't wait to like see how this part of the business is going. And by the end of the meeting, I'm looking around the room and everyone's like, I would rather be in any other meeting except this meeting right now. <laughs> and so I'm like waiting for anyone to say anything. And there's a real cool guy in HubSpot. I won't give the name away. And uh, he like goes, well... That was the most depressing 45 minutes of my life. <laughs> and I was like, ah, yeah, that went horrible. I'll take a seat. <laughs> and so that was the death march. And in the death march, I had made the common mistake, which is every problem is an opportunity. Yes. Right. And behind those problems, there Precious. were huge opportunities, so like long-term opportunities, short-term opportunities. And the founders and execs don't want to wallow in problems. That's not why they hired you. They want to get excited and support you on prioritizing and going after the opportunities, right? I went to you for feedback and I'll come back in a little bit and talk about how the second part of that went, which was three months later, but you were the first person I went to. And so maybe cut in here and talk about some of the advice you give me and would give people in general when pitching, telling the story of your business, but pitching large ideas as well. So first of all, one of the things that I think, Kieran, you are exceptionally awesome at is understanding hard problems. And the challenge is like most businesses fail because of ego and like a lack of hubris where it's like, oh, we're amazing. We're great. And there's nothing wrong. 
The, the reality is, Kira, you and I are the exact opposite, which is like, everything is terrible. Everything is wrong. Everything's wrong. We're never going to do anything well in our lives. We're complete failures. You know, and, and so there's, there's a fine line between being intellectually honest, which is saying like, oh, here are things that need to be improved. And this is how we can improve them, which is the thing you should do. And just right. basically being like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh and being like, <laughs> yeah. oh, there are problems everywhere. I have no solutions. You know? Even when we were crushing it, we we're still like, ah, oh, this is it's going horribly. We could have been doing better than anybody in the world. Yeah, We'd be like, yeah, we are yeah. garbage at this yeah, thing. This, this is all broken. <laughs> it's so, so bad. But the thing that matters here, first of all, is you do need to have the intellectual honesty. You need to tell people what's not going as well as expected. You know, like a great presentation when you're pitching a new idea should start out with like, here, let me tell you what's going well. Let me tell you what's not going as well. Where we think, like, I call it intellectual honesty, like where we think we had guesses and we are not either executing well enough or those guesses and hypotheses were wrong and we need to do something different, right? And death march presentations end <laughs> there. They end with like, let me tell you everything wrong without giving you... Let me tell you what we can do about the things that are wrong. Right. Right. And I think the two pieces of advice, if I'm remembering correctly, is like that was one, which is like, hey, we got to come in with solutions around how we're going to solve this. And the other was it was very long and complicated. Like there was a lot of you gave people in the explanation of the problems. You gave people a lot of minutia around the problems versus like the summarizing of like, here's the problem. And this is what is specifically causing that problem. And if you want to, you know, if anybody wants to get in the nitty gritty, we can talk offline. But, you know, this is the high level what you need to understand about what's wrong with this problem. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and the framing of problems is the first step of selling a solution. Right. Like yeah. you have to have a really clear framing of problems. And then once you have that, then people are really excited and ready for a solution because you got them all primed up. You're like, oh, yeah, that is a problem. I want to do something really differently. What are we going to do, Kieran? And so that was like, I think what people were waiting for, why that was so depressing is because we went through a bunch of problems and we weren't as clear on the solution side of things. So there was a couple of things actually that you mentioned that I think are really important for everyone listening to kind of take on board. Brian Halligan used to say this to me all the time. And it was something that you brought up and said as well, which is maybe you understand these problems too well, right? <laughs> yes. Like you understand them better just because you understand them better than anyone in the room doesn't mean they need to understand them in the same depth, right? And yes. I think one of the things you said is you need to simplify all of this correct? and actually frame everything in terms of like the problem is a small part of this. It's really the opportunity that is the thing you would spend more time on. And so like reframe actually like lead with, hey, like HubSpot has this incredible opportunity. There was one of them, I won't get into the exact details, but there was one of them because of our unit economics, because we cross-sell and upgrade, that we had a better opportunity than any other competitors that we were going after. Yes. And in the first presentation, I talked about, you know, there's a huge problem here and we're doing really awfully here because of these reasons. And in the second presentation, what I did was, we have better unit economics than any other business and we can do this thing better than any other business. We just have to solve this thing to be able to unlock that opportunity. Yes. And it's a simple switch, but actually, you know, people's eyes light up. They're like, yeah, like excited about the company, excited about like the leverage that we have, excited about how we can mm -hmm. use that leverage in really interesting ways. One of the most popular episodes of the show to date was our first principles pod, Karen. If you remember, right. really popular episode. If you haven't listened, go check it out. I think we're going to do a follow-up to that episode soon. I've got some ideas there. I know you do, Kieran. And what I would say, Kieran, is the best big idea selling we've ever done 
you and I in our careers, it has been rooted in clear statements of the problems and clear first principles for the solutions. Like, oh, I know that we are not activating, I'm making this all up for everybody watching, listening. It's like, I know we are not activating users on our CRM well enough. Like that is a clear problem statement. And then an example of a first principle there is like, oh, great activation requires a consumer grade user experience, for example, would be like a principle. And then you would say, great, what do we need to do and change about how we work to deliver, you know, a consumer grade user experience, for example, right? right? And it's like those three steps are magic. They will transform how you share ideas, how you sell ideas, and how you work together as a team. Like anytime I roll out a big strategy to our team, I always have a slide up front that is, here are the first principles that guided all of this strategy. This is like what I fundamentally believe as to why this strategy is right. And so don't go and beat up on the strategy first. Go beat on the principles first. And if we disagree on the principles, let's have a debate. And then once we agree on the principles, then we can talk about strategy and we can say, oh, great. We aligned on this principle. Oh, you're telling there's a different way to address it with a different strategic solution. Awesome. I am like totally open to that. I just want to solve the thing. I don't care about necessarily how we get there. I think that's one of the things that's unique about you and I, Kieran, is we actually don't care how problems are solved at all. We just want to solve them. We are like agnostic to solutions. Right. Just want to win. Win, baby. Just win, baby. Your big pitches have always started with what I believe to be true or like that first principle slide, which always actually sets up the strategy. One of the other things I wanted to quickly touch on here because it was a great comment we got back on the LinkedIn post. Oh, yeah, please. And you kind of mentioned like intellectual honesty, which is you have the kind of courage or confidence in yourself to call Mm -hmm. things out in a room full of like probably the founders, CEO, the execs. And we're talking about like how you can do that in a way that still keeps people with you through the presentation. Mm -hmm. But there is a, there's the death march on one end of the spectrum. (laughs) And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, there's like the unicorns and rainbows march. Yes, And it was a really great comment. It was like, someone said, one of the things I do is I'm probably too over-optimistic. Like, Mm -hmm. cause I want to go into that room and make people like really excited. And so how do you think about that? Like finding that balance between, you know, getting people excited, pumped up, but within the realms of like what is actually going on, like what is possible to not going too far in terms of optimism and things that actually aren't doable. Look, what I love about marketing and marketers is that we're optimistic, baby. We see hope, we see future. I mean, other than Kieran, who's the least optimistic person I've ever met in my entire that's, that's life. Why, that's why I have a presentation called The Death March named after me. But optimism is very important, but you just have to root optimism in problem statements, intellectual honesty. I actually thought you were going a different way there, Kieran. I think one of the biggest problems in somebody selling in a big, big idea is that they don't believe in themselves. Mm. They don't have the confidence in themselves. And if you don't believe in what you're selling to yourself, then nobody else is ever going to believe it, right? Yes. Like you have to sell yourself first. That is job one when you are selling an idea or you're trying to change the world, change the future, change a business. The first thing you have to do is sell yourself. What is your process for selling yourself? My process for selling myself is, am I clear what the problem is? What do I believe to be true about this situation and the solutions? What are my first principles? And then do my proposed solutions map to those principles? And if they do, then in my head, I'm like, okay, I have rationalized this and logic this out enough to myself that this is going to work. This is going to be really successful. And so I should believe in it and I should get everybody else fired up about it. 
right? And it might not work as perfectly, it may not work as fast. Like there are things on the edges that will break, but if I don't believe it, sure as hell, nobody else is gonna believe it. Right. We'll be right back, but let me tell you about a podcast from our network. Truth, Lies, and Workplace Culture is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, your audio destination for business professionals. Join husband and wife team, Al and Leanne Elliott, as they dispel myths, impart wisdom, and answer all your questions about finding, keeping, and motivating great people. Their audience loves the show's unique blend of theory and practice, which helps business owners and leaders simplify consumer psychology. If you enjoy learning what makes people tick, then this is the show for you. Recently, they did an amazing episode on what makes your team say yes, exploring the psychology of influence. Phil Agnew shares his rich experience in behavioral science and delves into the intricate psychology of influence. They explore the fine line between influence and manipulation, uncovering how subtle cues and messaging impact team decision-making and motivation. Whether you're a leader, marketer, or anyone interested in the art of intelligence, this episode is packed with strategies and psychological principles to understand and harness the power of yes in teams and organizations. Listen to Truth, Lies, and Workplace Culture wherever you get your podcasts. There's two other things I would add into that because that's the main questions I got asked within that post that I did around the death march was, how do I sell big ideas? Like, what do I anchor it against that people within that room Mm -hmm. will think this is the right thing to do? There's a couple of other things I kind of pointed out, which is, first of all, you have to understand what's important to the business, right? You really need to understand the business that you're in because if you pitch something that is not the most important things, and it's likely going to fall in deaf ears. Oh, I love that. So first of all, how important is the thing? Like understand what the priorities are for your business and try to pitch things within the things that actually solve the founders and the CEOs, like the things that they actually care about. The other thing is, you know, the hostile pitch was a good example of this mm-hmm. where I was like, who in the business will hate this idea mm-hmm. and give me really hard feedback? And I could name a name that you would know <laughs> who always gives people really hard feedback. <laughs> I know and a couple like, of them. Who's going to be like super pro this, right? Like, mm-hmm. but still be able to give me good clarity. And so I think that when you are trying to get something to pitch in front of your founders or CEOs, it's really a big idea. Treat it like a real pitch, like treat it like a conference level pitch, like go do your due diligence, get different viewpoints. But you're missing something very important in this right now. You're missing a little bit of the cure and secret sauce here. It's not just, you got to get the pitch ready. You got to do the pre-sale. You got to do the pre-sale. You got to do the pre-sale, baby. Which means, let's say you're pitching something to like 10 people, right? Open up the secrets. And you know, five of those people are just complete skeptics. And they (laughs) think what you're going to talk about is total crap. You got to meet with those people one-on-one and you got to say, hey, I really value your perspective. I want to understand what you think about this. I've got this pitch coming up in a week or two and I really want your feedback because I want to go into that meeting knowing what you think. And so I want that final presentation to address any concerns that you have. And then when you do that directly with people, people often are like so taken aback. They're like, oh no, no, I'm on board or, oh, I really have this concern. But the pre-sell is the secret sauce of selling in big ideas. It is the secret sauce. If there's like an Illuminati of business, it's like one of the things that nobody tells each other. The pre-sale. So you never want to be in a pitch when you're trying to pitch the founders of the CEO and someone raises their, people start disagreeing with you in that meeting. Oh, it's the worst. Never do that. The worst. You're sunk, right? They hear two, three voices. Oh, like these are smart people. And they don't like the idea. I can't be that cool. But it's not just that that's that cool. You have to think about like whoever is running the company, their job is to keep everybody on the same team, right? Mm. And 
So if there's a bunch of voices of dissent, it's kind of like, oh, I might think this is interesting, but is it worth the organizational agita, my management work, everything to like coalesce people around that? And when it's really important, sometimes it is. But wow, that's a choice that you are forcing them to have to make when there are voices of dissent. Right. When everybody else is like, oh, no, I feel good about it then you're actually putting the opposite pressure on them. Like, oh, I say no to this, then I'm actually the one creating that dissent. Right. But a lot of the pre-sale is knowing who that person will really value. Yes. In terms of their opinion. And if you know that they're going to have, you know, strong feelings against, and not that you can like, we're not doing like underneath the table deals. <laughs> we're like, <laughs> like, just to make sure we're clear on the pre-sale. We're not doing like these sneaking things. We're like, oh, we'll, we'll give you this if you like go into the, like we're literally trying to like, convince that person yes. or like do our pitch for that person and be able to have a one-on-one time where we're being able to like truly answer their concerns. And that doesn't mean that person will not disagree with you, but more times than not, it will work out better in your favor than just arriving in with a deck and having everyone see it for the first time yeah. within that meeting. What people hate about business and politics is what Kieran was just talking about. Kieran and I jokingly call it like the metaphorical drug deal, where it's like, <laughs> hey, I really want this thing. If you support me on this thing, I'm going to give you this other thing that you want. And right. it's like a behind the scenes, you know, quote unquote drug deal to like get everybody on the same page. And that's what people hate about politics, especially like that's what happens in the U.S. a ton these days. And you don't want to do that. Like no. that is just setting yourself up for failure. What you want to do is say, hey, I think we both believe this is a big problem. Let me tell you how I think we should solve it. And I want you to have input on the solution. Because right. what most people actually want is to have input on a solution more than anything else. Part of selling a big idea is letting the key people involved in it that aren't like you, but are the people you have to work with feel like they've had input on that idea, right? Okay, so in the interest of time, to run at the story, three months later, I took on the advice that Kip gave me, Brian Halligan gave me some really great advice. <laughs> one of the <laughs> best pieces of advice Brian ever gave me around a presentation. Not for this one, he gave me really good advice for this one. And I asked him about another presentation. I have done good presentations, by the way, because this is like, <laughs> going to make it sound like People I've never listening are like, how did Kira not get fired? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know how I didn't either for what it's worth. Yeah, the product-led growth days, there was a lot of like presentations. Brian was like very involved in that business. And so I remember him, Kip, he was, I don't think I ever told you this story where I did this presentation and I was talking to Brian directly after and I was like, what do you think? You think that all made sense? And he goes, well, look, I can't really remember it, which means it wasn't bad, but it wasn't that great. <laughs> That's the nicest way to say you just wasted a bunch of my time. <laughs> so anyway, three months later, took on board the advice that Brian gave me about this presentation that you gave me, kept a really great advice to bring this presentation, especially this make it simple, mm -hmm. the framing you did around first principles, the opportunity that clearly state the problem and how we solve that. And I think that three months after that, I did the follow-up presentation on the deep dive and never had such positive feedback about the deck, had slacks, everything about how good that oh, was. Yeah. So I it think was 100, our, baby. So I think if people listen to this and truly take it on board, it really is a game changer in terms of how you pitch your business, your ideas, your strategy. Kieran, I completely agree. Uh, I think it's a great example of taking advice and iterating and like getting great at selling ideas. And one of the things Kieran's amazing at is like learning, iterating, and really improving. On this topic though, Kieran, there's one thing that we haven't talked about that I know is going to hit a big nerve with you that I have to bring up. That is, there's one other way that these selling big idea presentations fail. It might be one of your biggest pet peeves in the entire world. Are you ready? Okay. It is when somebody goes in and pitches an idea and they maybe they 
they're admitting the problems, but their solution is just all about them and what they want and like the team they're trying to build. And it's like in complete service. Empire builder. They're an empire builder. Exactly, baby. Don't hire empire builders. Oh, they're the worst. Do not hire empire builders. They're the worst people to have at your company. They're just like, no, no, no. How you fix this? It's not investing over here. It's giving me more stuff. It's giving me more stuff. Right? Build my team. It's just, I can do it. I'll put it all on my back. I can yeah. make it happen. No, the best ideas and best solutions that are big are cross-functional in nature. They're rooted in the right principles. And that is how you really sell in and transform a business in the process, right? Like the work that Kieran did that like was behind this presentation transformed HubSpot, transformed right. the business into the business we're in today. So it's not just selling ideas for the sake of selling ideas. When you sell a big idea, that's how you transform a team. That's how you transform a company. And that's ultimately what really matters. The best people that I have worked with, you are one of these people and other people I, that are incredible that I've worked with, they only want to win. That's it. They don't care. That's they the want game. to show you the problem, solution. They don't care if they own it. They don't care if it adds to their team. They don't care about any of that stuff. They're just like, I want to win. And this is one of the ways that we are going to win as a company. And that's the kind of people you want in your company. I could not agree more. I also love any podcast episode, Kieran, where we get to hear embarrassing Kieran stories. So like today was already like one of my favorite episodes. And I would say, if you like embarrassing Kieran stories and you like the show, you're going to want to make sure you go subscribe over on YouTube. We've got exclusive YouTube shorts over there. We've got full video episodes. You can see us laughing and arguing with each other in real time. It's amazing. Subscribe. Great content. It's going to be hot. And I'm we, still thinking of doing that food video. I started to like ideate on like me cooking have food. You I got to see the raisin pie, man. I just want to see this weird raisin <laughs> the pie raisin thing. Pie. You like. <laughs> the raisin uh, All right. I'm going to have to cook <laughs> mince pies as part of like the first show. Yeah. Whatever your weird cooking YouTube <laughs> channel. But in all seriousness, thank you everybody for listening. We'll be back with you real soon for another episode of Marketing Against the Greg. Marketing Against the Greg.